As a young teen, Mary became a follower of Jesus after reading Focus on the Family's Brio magazine. And I remember thinking to myself, I don't have that. I'd really like to know what that's about. And so it was, it was an inward decision right there that I made in my room after reading you know, this article in the Brio magazine that I want to have that kind of walk with God that this girl is talking about. For 30 years, we've helped Mary grow in her faith. We've strengthened her marriage, and now we're equipping her to be a good mom to her own kids. Like really Focus on the Family has been, and all the, the different resources and individuals, the voices of Focus on the Family, it's really been a mentor to me, to my family, um, and just it's cool to see the legacy. I'm Jim Daly. Working together, we can save more families like Mary's every month. Please call 800-A-FAMILY or donate at focusonthefamily.com family. Thank you for downloading the Focus on the Family Marriage Podcast. You can find more relationship insights at focusonthefamily.com slash marriage podcast. A lot of us think of our spouse as our best friend, but we don't spend a lot of time with that best friend. We're just too busy. I'm John Fuller, along with Dr. Greg Smalley, who's in charge of our marriage department here at Focus on the Family. And Greg, you counsel a lot of couples. How common is it for uh, those couples to spend enough time together or to feel like they're spending enough time together? It's a huge problem. I, I think universally, we all feel busy. Every couple is dealing with how to find time together in the midst of working full-time, raising kids, hobbies, responsibilities. I think all of us are trying to figure out how to spend time together. Mm -hmm. Well, let's go ahead and hear a little bit more about this from Dr. Gary Chapman. He's the author of The Five Love Languages and many other great books. Um, He'll talk about navigating misunderstandings in your marriage and how to spend more time together. As I was reading your book, Happily Ever After, and parlaying that into a conversation with Jean, there was an instance in there, uh, and it really caught Jean, and she laughed, because in the book you talk about a man who said, there's three things that I struggle with with my wife. One, um, she's very unorganized. Two, she spends more money than we budget. And three, I don't get enough lovemaking in our marriage. And Gene howled, saying, okay, that's basically every man and woman struggle, all three of those. So, I yeah, mean, that, that happened in the counseling office, and those are the three things the guy started out with. You know, this is the problem in my marriage. I mean, that's uh, kind of, that's probably hitting 70% of marriages. I, w- I would say so. Those are very common things that men struggle with in a marriage. It can sometimes be the other way around. You sure. know, a wife can have a husband who's spending too much money in her, in her mind, or he can be disorganized as well. Uh, but, you know, I think when you get down to it, marriage has to do with an intimate relationship between a man and a woman. And we know that involves the sexual part because God made us sexual. I mean, that's God's design. And that's an important part of marriage. It's not all of marriage, but it's an important part of marriage. And then the whole issue of processing life, money is a part of life. And money, we can have conflicts over money. There's only three things you can do with money. You can give it away, you can spend it, or you can save it. And then personality differences, you know, organized and not organized. I mean, there's all kind of personality differences. But as we love each other and we feel loved by each other, we can process these things that irritate us 
in a much more positive manner, we can change a lot of those things. And the ones that don't get changed, we can come to accept those things. And life really is what God intended it to be. Mm. You know, loving, supportive, caring relationships. That's what marriage is designed to be. Okay, so let's say we've done that really well as a young couple. And we've got this great open communication going. And she's limiting her quirks and I'm limiting mine. And we're getting along just fine. And then all of a sudden, guess what? We've got babies on the way. Mm -hmm. And those little ones come into our family. And now it turns everything upside down because there's a whole new set of expectations. Talk about those times and when uh, children are bringing some uh, different dimensions to the marriage. Well, let's face it. Babies radically change a marriage because somebody's got to care for that baby. But here's the danger that we both focus on the baby Mm -hmm. and we totally ignore each other. That's that's very common today. Very common, and it leads to the point where six years down the road, we're wondering why we're married. And that's why I say to couples, you need to prepare for a child coming into the house. And then once the child gets there, you need to be discussing things on a regular basis, how we're handling these things. Because it's going to take more time for the baby. It's going to be his time or her time. It's going to take more money because the baby's going to cost. So we've got to think about these things. And... Getting control of the schedule is a huge thing with children. And I say to parents, of course, you know, when they're infants, they're going to be sleeping two-thirds of the time, we hope. you know, (laughs) (laughs) That's the goal. But as they they begin to grow up, we need to establish definite bedtimes for that child. I'm amazed. I'm in Walmart at 10 o'clock on a Monday night, and here's a three-year-old. At Walmart's. Right. And I'm thinking, this kid should have been in bed three hours ago, you know? <laughs> at least. Uh, so establish that uh, bedtime, and when you establish it early, it can follow right on through all of childhood. And that gives the two of you some time mm. to have a marriage mm. after the children are in bed. Mm. I mean, that's the most logical time. So we have to get control of our schedule. We have to have the children on the schedule. We have to assess our own schedules so that we make time for each other. Mm. It's key. I wish I would have heard Gary Chapman offering that advice about, oh, 30 years ago. When we had young children, uh, we just didn't get out like we wanted to. And then the teen years hit. It got really hard to get out like we wanted to. We just, uh, of course, we have six kids, so (laughs) obviously we had some time together. But it's a really big deal for couples to make sure that you prioritize the marriage um, in the midst of a busy household and raising a bunch of kids. Uh, Greg, what are some practical ways that couples can launch off of what Dr. Chapman was saying, getting control of the schedule? I think a lot of couples kind of hearing that reality, we're all busy, we need to spend more time together. I think what's overwhelming is that they feel so overwhelmed already that their plates are are full in adding one more date night, one more thing that I should be doing to keep my marriage strong. Don, I've watched it. It, it pushes people over the edge. Hmm. And so I would say, hey, relax. How about this? We're we're not going to tell you to do 20 more things. I I think that to combat busyness in a marriage, we start by just observing what's already taking place and how can we use some of those things to keep our marriage strong. A wonderful marriage researcher, John Gottman, talks about something called a bid for connection. Mm-hmm. And this happens countless times throughout the day. And sadly, most couples don't recognize them, so they don't take advantage of them. And it could be something as simple as when Aaron comes back from 
you know, from grocery shopping. And she says, hey, look what I found. I found these steaks that, that were on sale. I could simply go, okay, whatever. I, I could completely ignore her and keep doing whatever I was doing. Or I could just take a moment and say, ooh, steak. That sounds really good. What, what kind of steaks are they? It, it could literally be something that simple. Oftentimes when we're in the car driving, as I'm observing different cars, you know, if I see this really fancy, you know, $100,000 sports car drive by, I'll go, oh, look, it's a Ferrari. Now, again, that's a bid for connection. I'm just simply saying something to Aaron, hoping that, that we can just have a 10-second connection. So is this almost a childlike thing where you're saying, hey... There's something that interests me. Don't you want to be interested right. in it too? Right. Like our kid. That's a great example. Yeah. Our kids are really overt about this yeah. as they put their hands up and go, hold me, hold me, hold yeah. me. See, they're making a bid for connection. We do that a little bit differently. We probably don't walk We're... around with our arms outstretched <laughs> to our spouse, hold me. But how we communicate yeah. that is, hey, look at the cell item yeah. I just got. Hey, look at that cool sports car. And then in those moments, we can either ignore it or we can just for a second sort of turn towards that and just have that quick interaction. Mm-hmm. Aaron could say, whoa, that that's really cool. I love the red color. What would that cost? Oh, man, that, that's got to be like a $250,000 car. It's, it's done and over. But see, we've had a small connection. Yes. Those add up. And so just just start to notice and observe how often your spouse might make a bid for connection and then respond to that. Yeah, okay, so I'm going to ask you, I'm going to leverage off of something that Dr. Chapman has addressed uh, in previous books and conversations, the five love languages. Let's say you've got one spouse who's very verbal, and the other, that's just not a big deal to them. And so there's a bid for connection from the verbal one, and the nonverbal is not the person who's got a different love language isn't really doing anything. How do you how do you manage that? What should, if anything, that person do who feels like they never respond at all? We have to proactively protect our connection. And part of that is just noticing when our spouse is making some sort of bid. So in your example, that conversation spouse who's just having that conversation I mean, just respond 10, 15 seconds. They, they don't have to be long. So you're encouraging the one who's not getting the response to say, hey, hon, or whatever, uh, hey, babes, I'm noticing that I bring out these these observations, and it is, it's sort of like I'm handing the ball to you, and it just drops on the floor and doesn't go anywhere. Well, It'd help if you would just pick it up and give it back to me. Or yeah. And Aaron and I actually... We, we've we now made that a part of our conversation. Like the, just the other day, I, I asked her something and she was she was on her phone. And so I asked her something. Yeah. She's looking at her phone. Didn't hear She it. set yeah. it down. And I went, hey, that way I just made a bid for connection. And she goes, wait, what? What did you say? <laughs> yeah. And so instead of getting offended, instead of going, well, you know, you're always prioritizing your phone over me, I just repeated it. Mm-hmm. But it's sort of become just a part of our, our language of yeah. going, hey, I just I just made a bid. Whoa, what was it? And then, and then she responds. So just they, they happen throughout the day. Just notice and respond, you've protected your connection. Mm, That's really good, Greg. 
And let me just turn to the audience and make a bid for connection, if I can play off of that. If we've helped you through this podcast, or you've read Greg's books, or Dr. Chapman's books, uh, if we've done something to help your marriage, would you let us know? And if you would, please, make a donation to support the work of Focus on the Family to help families thrive. Um, We are committed to doing that. And Greg and his team, they walk in every day, ready to figure out how do we better help marriages? What can we do today to help marriages? Uh, So please uh, let us know how we've helped you and make a donation, a monthly pledge, or a one-time gift. Uh, When you do so, we'll send a copy of Dr. Chapman's book, Happily Ever After. I would point out as well, online we've got the free marriage assessment. Um, That takes a few minutes for you and your spouse to take. It'll uh, show you some kind of pressure points and some 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 wins, and it's really helpful no matter how long you've been married, either a few months or maybe 50 years. Uh, all of these things and more to help your marriage uh, will be on the website, and we'll link over there in the show notes. Next time, we're going to hear about working through conflict. Our guests will be Ron and Deb DeArmond. For now, on behalf of Greg Smalley and the entire team, I'm John Fuller, and thanks for listening to the Focus on the Family Marriage Podcast.